Welcome to Speak Out. And on today's show, we're talking about African-American women in film and television with our special guest, Emmy-nominated producer, playwright, poet, and author, Sojourner Collier. And let me just give y'all this little quote from Gloria Vanderbilt. She said, I've always believed that one woman's success can only help another woman's success. Hello. So, Sojourner, hey, welcome. Collier. Welcome, welcome to Speak Out. Welcome to Speak yes. Out. Thank so, you. listen, I, I just want to uh, get on in there. On this show, we're talking about um, women, especially black women in film and television, mm-hmm. and um, some of our obstacles, but mm-hmm. some of those career choices. Mm-hmm. And so, I know that you have this extensive writing career. When did it all begin? The writing career. Yes. Um, I would say it started around the late 80s when I started writing plays. So I'm originally from Atlanta. And um, I've been writing plays ever since I was a kid. Okay. When I would read um, Judy Bloom books, Mm -hmm. like Are You There, God Is Me, Margaret. I enjoyed the book so much that I would rewrite the book. Wow as a play in my composition book. And then I would have the, and I remember, oh, this had to be in the 70s. And um, me and my girlfriend, Diane Porter, mm-hmm. we would sit on the back of my mom's car and I guess she was like proofreading. She would read over it. Okay. And then we'd have the kids on my block to perform it. And when they didn't do a good job, I would sit in my blue tick hound dog on Mr. Wheeler. <laughs> <laughs> and we were like little black kids and we even put like little imitations in our neighbors mailbox. Nobody came. Yeah. yeah. Nobody came. Yeah. We were marketing already. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was really Diane who was doing that. We was like sticking the little fly <laughs> little handwritten flyers. So it was like nine or ten years old. Uh, wow. You know what? I, I I can relate to that as a fellow poet and as a fellow writer I can Mm -hmm. remember writing this play called The Little Green Man and I probably had 12 characters and remember those big giant color books that I went to my age but back back in the day Uh, I uh, literally had credits for my sister and I like no one knew who was playing all the 12 people right (laughs) but but I can but I can understand like early on that passion came Mm -hmm. were there any writers and directors that you admired. I know I, I admired Maya Angelou the first time I saw I Know mm-hmm. Why the Cage Bird Sings in, yeah. in television and read the book. Mm-hmm. But were there any writers at the time that you admired growing up? I think when I was little, I really loved Judy Bloom. Mm-hmm. since like around 9 or 10. Mm-hmm. When I was 11, I had this teacher, Miss Dansby. And she was the one, I went to a, lived in all black community, went to all black schools. First time I was educated by white people was when I went to graduate school. Wow. wow. So I went to all black college, went to all black high school, Frederick Douglass, where wow. our mayor finished and Killer Mike. So I've been around nothing but black people teach me. Dennis was black, you know, guys who to fix our shoes was black. So, wow. um, so I really love Judy Bloom, but Miss Dansby introduced me first to the word Caucasian. Mm. Mm. She told me, go to the office and ask the Caucasian lady what time does she want to come to the class? And I'm like, so do you know what Caucasian? I was like, it means white. We don't say white, we say Caucasian. I was like, okay. But she introduced me to 
Langston Hughes. Mm. Oh, wow. When I was um, 11. Yes. And it was, um, I've known Rivers. Oh, yes. Yeah. And right after that, it was um, Phyllis Wheaton. Oh, yes. Yeah. And I was reading Phyllis Wheaton when I was like 11, 12. And I read like her biography, you know, uh -huh. like she came from yes. Africa and, and, and traveled yeah, and like yeah, as a poet. Yeah. Yes. And how her change, how she shifted her view of where she came from. Because, you know, she's writing all this poetry mm -hmm. about Africans being savage because mm -hmm. that's what she was taught. But then, mm -hmm. you know, so later on, she started writing about the beauty of Africa. Yeah. So, I mean, at a young age, I could see how writers can grow and shift their view. And it's okay. I mean, I didn't know that that was a term, you know, mm -hmm. that, that was a theme. But I just realized, oh, oh, that's cool. So, Sojourner, when did you decide that you wanted to work in the field of television and the arts? I never made that decision. You never well, did? I never yeah. said that I wanted to write for television. I was fine. When I, was, I was cool with being a playwright. Mm -hmm. That was the only thing I wanted to do. And when I left Atlanta and moved to New York, I um, I have this thing of wherever I make requests, you know, because I never know how I'm going to figure out or connect the dots, and I never connected the dots of my career. Right. So I remember I was, um, when I first got to New York, I was teaching. So, so I'm how old were you then? No, it's this, I'm around 30, okay. 31. Okay. And I was in New York and I got a job teaching at an alternative school in oh, Brownsville. Oh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Brownsville is a place where Mike Tyson grew up. Oh, Where well, he used to knock people out yeah. for money. Okay. Yeah, and Brownsville okay. is the place when we did a grant um, at Rikers Island. Mm -hmm. I think it's like 42% of the population at Rikers Island come from Brownsville, not wow. Brooklyn, from Brownsville. Wow. So, I mean, those kids would horrible but yeah. I still keep in contact with them mm -hmm. because we had a connection so when I'm there I'm like okay I'm just going to be a writer and just do my plays and I was cool with that and I had a play done in Harlem and mm -hmm. you know some other places going to do a production of it and I realized that I need to have more time to write because it was a full-time job so I told the youth asked the universe I said look I need more time to write, but I need to get full-time pay. And then this job just came open for me, mm. uh, teaching the Teamsters how to read and write. Wow. Part-time, but it still was full-time pay. But I'm still focusing on being a playwright mm. mm -hmm. because I was I made my piece with that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to follow, you know, like Inosaki Shange. Yes. All those women that kept so... I got a phone call when well, I had a play done at Playwrights Horizons. And that's where the guy who did Angels in America and um, Driving Miss Daisy. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they just nurture playwrights. That's the whole thing. And um, they picked up my play. No one came to see it. Just a handful of people. But the actors that I got to meet, they were so magnificent. And they really got my work. And the guy who was over the theater, Tim Sanford, he went to school at Yale. Most of the television writers go to Yale or Harvard. Yes. Okay. And mm -hmm. they hire their friends. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Tim calls up um, one of the directors at um, All My Children at ABC. And he said, hey, we got this new writer. I would love for you to check out her play. Mm -hmm. I had no idea that this conversation was going on. And the person who was over development called me up out the blue. 
And it was during a time where I was going through a tumultuous relationship, breaking up, trying to get this person out of my house. Mm-hmm. And it takes a lot to get people out your house. Yes, it does. In New York. And yes, yeah. yes. And then um, she called me up and she said, hi, um, my name is Molly. And um, I read your play and I loved it. And I saw the production. I said, okay, cool. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And then she said, have you ever thought about writing for television? I was like, uh, no. So well, we have this program and we would teach you how to write for the show and we will pay you. And I was like, y'all would pay me. And at the time I was getting unemployment. <laughs> I was like, and it was about to expire. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. From that point, it took a year for the program to get started. So it was the fellowship mm-hmm. that, they, that all the networks do. Mm-hmm. But I had no idea that this thing existed. And like thousands of people had applied. Wow. wow. But I didn't know anything about it. So I was like, yeah. And they, I was like, you're going to pay me to learn how to write? Wow. And sign me up. So, and, and, and so, so I'm oh. sorry. So when you started writing for all my children. That's what I was going to Now, gonna now I mean. You know, come on, you writing for Lance for Chandler and Susan and Erica, Erica Kane. Daily. I watched it. Okay. And so (laughs) what was that experience like that? Wow. I'm writing on one of the top soap operas of television. I don't think it sunk in when I was in the middle of it Mm -hmm. because it was such a high pressure job um because that's all i could do was write and you have to spend like 12 hours a day writing wow Mm -hmm. yeah because you have to write a full episode every week so you have to write a 60 minutes episode every week so were there other people working with you on that Mm -hmm. or you were just by yourself every writer is assigned a specific day oh wow so you know the writers just write the day so, like, you have the person who writes Monday. So, if you watch the show, only one person wrote that episode. Mm-hmm. You know, have the person write for Tuesday. So, when I started, I was, um, like, the Tuesday-Wednesday writer because I wasn't, you know, people watch the show, but the big writers do Monday and or Friday. Friday for the mm-hmm. big writers. Oh, okay. So, so, the big writers, Sojourner, where the, the, one hit the cliffhangers and then just like, yeah. oh, she's dead. Then Monday they come in, they write them like, we're going to bring them back to life. Yeah. They really uh, just fell into a tree, right? <laughs> that's, 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 that's how that exactly. works. Okay. But you just have that set of writers. They're these script writers. Mm-hmm. So, they can be anywhere in America. But then you have another set of writers called the breakdown writers. And they're the ones that meet every week with the head writer and they plan out what's going to happen. So those are the ones that really control the stories. So when I started, you know, we just supposed to be, I was just supposed to be a screenwriter, script writer. Mm -hmm. And I was like, cool, because then I can be in Atlanta with my parents, you know. But even if I was in Atlanta, I still couldn't see them because I'm working. You have to write at least 12 hours a day. Mm -hmm. But the head writer who, he and his wife, she wrote for God and Light, I think. He came out of theater 
and I came out of theater. Mm -hmm. Very few of the writers on the team come out of theater. Okay. They were like former directors or actors that just wanted a more stable job. So we knew a lot of the same people in theater. Uh -huh. And he just took me by the hand, he and his wife, and they explained how to create the actual story. So you have more power when you're a breakdown writer because you're controlling the images. Okay. So that's that was my first job. So it was kind of backwards because normally you started as a script writer and then you move up to breakdown writing. But um, yeah, he brought me in as a breakdown writer. So did you have to get in the minds of the characters as you were writing mm -hmm. that particular script? Yeah. Wow. But we, but you have to study the show. So we had um, the program normally lasts thirteen weeks. But the creator of All My Children and One Life to Live, Agnes Nixon, she mm -hmm. came in and she wanted to meet, you know. The, and, she, and she died just a few, she she died, a few mm -hmm, years ago, mm -hmm. yes. Mm -hmm. Really sweet lady. We heard all these stories about her, but mm -hmm. she's really cool. And all of the writers that were in my program, they were from the North. And they all finished Ivy League school. Oh, okay. wow. I was the only one that went to a black college and it was from the South. So I felt really on the outside. And when Ms. Nixon came in, she said, she's from Tennessee. She said, you talk just like me. <laughs> oh. And she just took this liking to me. I okay. was like, she is so sweet. But we had to pitch stories to her. And on my way to the network, I was really nervous. And I got like super early. Mm -hmm. And we had to be there like at 11. So I'm like traveling there like at eight o'clock in the morning. It just takes like 30 minutes on the train from Harlem. And I stopped by this place called the National Black Theater. It's on 125th Street and Fifth Avenue. Mm -hmm. It's a big theater. And the founder, Dr. Bob Rantish, she owned the whole city block. Oh, oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, she's a superstar. She's she's gone on, but her daughter and her son running the place. Okay. So I knew everyone there. So that was the place that I would go whenever I was nervous or when mm. I just want to hang out. I always talk, took my family there. So I went there and I knew they was having a staff meeting and I, they said, what's going on? I was like, I got to pitch a story and I'm really nervous and I don't know what to do. Mm. And I was like, uh, Bob Ranty, she cursed off. She said, you need to sit your behind down. <laughs> I sat down. She said, just blow she said, do you know what happens when you blow? I said, well, you know, you get the oxygen. She said, no, it calms you down. She said, well, it's just a regular person. She said, you need to stop putting these people on a pedestal just mm. because of who they are mm. and just be a real person and just relate to them. And I remember I had to drink a tea and I had the little tea bag and I was stirred and violently yeah. the tea bag broke open. Oh. The little tea things got on my stomach. <laughs> it's a hot mess. But uh, when I met Miss Nick, she was really cool and she gave me so many writing tips that mm. only someone who's been in the industry for like 30 years would know. Wow. Okay. And I mean, and it was just so matter of factly because I'm giving her my story. She said, good. So you got this um, anonymous person who's, um, who's sending these cryptic notes. So just give us hints. Like, this show his hand and have a birthmark. Mm. And we know he's doing something bad. But the person he's doing something bad to... We, we see the hand again with the birthmark. So we know that he's connected to that person, mm -hmm. but we never see the... So she gave me like all these hints mm. and all of these um, techniques of writing mm -hmm. that I still employ. I mean, she was so cool. People said she didn't have horrible stories about her, but she was really nice. It, it's amazing how um, you had the support 
around you Mm -hmm. to be able to grow in in this Mm -hmm. industry, to be able to have mentors in this industry. And I think that that's very important, no matter what field you go into, Mm -hmm. to be able to have mentors. Mm -hmm. What were some of the obstacles and struggles that you found as an African-American woman being in this industry um, as, as a writer and wanting to express yourself in terms of your story and, 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 in in um in your writings, I think uh, writing for the Sultz had to realize that it's a corporation mm. and it's owned by Disney, mm-hmm. and Disney just want to make money. Mm-hmm. And I had to come to the realization that I wasn't there to create stories about people of color. Mm. Mm. And it wasn't <clears throat> that um that the powers that be said, okay, we don't want to have any black people on. It was the realization that we were not even a thought. Wow. And when I realized that we weren't even a thought, like when we bring on a new character and we would do a character background, you know, like what's mm-hmm. the school, you know, what's their faulty thoughts, what's the thing they're trying to get over, what's the big thing that happened in their childhood. So I would think, you know, this can be a person of color. And everyone, everyone around the room, because I was always the only black girl, was like, really? It was like it wasn't even a thought that this could be mm-hmm. a person of color. Mm. And I was always voted down. And I remember one day I was, um, there was this one writer, this uh, white guy, because they all were white. He and I connected because of baseball. Okay. Because I love the Braves. Good, bad, indifferent. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they moved out to Cobb County. Okay. And, um, and he was a Boston fan. So we always used to go back and forth about baseball. And he was one of the mentors that brought me in. And one day we was doing this um, Friday tag. And this is when I'm in the, in the room where we're planning the story. This is going to happen from day to day. And there was, in television, you have characters that are, they call U5, under five, meaning they have under five lines. Okay. So they're just a step above and extra, but they get paid a lot of money, but mm-hmm. they don't have a name. Mm-hmm. It's like boy one, girl two, but they are yeah. under fives. And I would just cut them all out because at the end of my script, I had to go and count and make sure they had five lines mm-hmm. under five, and that just didn't have that kind of time. So I just gave all those lines to the contract players. So on a Friday tag, they were going to have this... Um, White girl, like five, two, five. She's a contract player, a beloved character. She was on the camp, so she was going to be there on the Friday. And it's have this big guy. He's like six, two, six, four, black guy with long dreadlocks. Mm. And was that the was that the Noah character? No, it was oh. um, right after the Noah. Oh, character. okay, so okay. I was trying to reproduce okay. that whole um, sensation. Okay, and I just have one quick question too. Was you there before Jesse and Angie? I was or? there when Jesse and Angie came back. Okay, all and right. And their son. All right, just trying to give mm-hmm. out a few. So they, they, they might want to know, might want to know too, like me and I, when she was on there with Jesse and Angie. Okay, when, no. they, when they came back. Okay. And that was a lot of fun. But they were going to have this big black guy on a Friday tag slap this tiny white contract oh, no. player oh, no. and say, now, bitch, you're my hoe. Oh, boy. So when we sit around the table, all the guys are like, yeah, that's good, that's good, that's good. And I'm like, fuming. I was like, are serious? And I said, yeah, we can't do that. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And they said, well, why? I said, it's so many reasons that I can't even <clears throat> go into the, all the reasons why we can't do it. They didn't see it? No. Wow. 
So uh, the head writer said, okay, we're going to take a break. We went outside and we took a break and I just had to go oh, outside. And I was standing outside. Well, it was, uh, it was under five, so the character didn't okay. have a name. The black guy didn't even have a mm-hmm. name. So I'm standing outside. I remember I was so upset. I was trembling. Wow. And I called my mom. And I'm like in tears. Like, mom, they want this black guy. And he's going to slap this white girl. And he's going to say, no, bitch. She's like, what? I was yeah. like, yeah, and I was like, and I just wanted to throw these white folk out the wall. I was just so mad. She's like, well, no, you can't do that. You need to pray. I was like, this is no time for prayer. She's like, no, you need to find your center and be calm and just remember what we taught you. And I still didn't have an answer when I went to the room. And the white guy who he and I was friends over baseball, he's like, Sajana, why are you so upset about this? That's a great tag. I was like, do you understand? The implications, because like five million people watch the show. Absolutely. That's right. And when they see that, that's going to shift the way they think of men of color. Yeah. And he said something that none of them had the courage to say to me. He said, so Jenna, don't you know, black men, they beat their women. Wow. But the thing of it is that these people who control the images of the show, these white people, they were not interacting with black people. Yes. Mm -hmm. Besides the ones that's their maid or their babysitter. So they really didn't know. They just got their cues from the television shows they saw in the seventies. Mm-hmm. I mean, and incredible. He couldn't understand why I was so upset. I said, "My parents have been married at that time, thing like forty years." Wow. I said, "My dad never hit my mom." Uh-huh. I said, "All of my uncles on both sides." I've never seen them be involved. Even like there was no conversation about uncle such and such, you know, being. I said, no. I said, when, before I got into theater, I was a criminal justice major in grad school. I said, the serial murderers are white guys. And he just looked at me with this blank. And then I was like, we're not even a second thought Mm. around the table. And a lot of times when we were pitching ideas, you know, I would think, do they know that there's a black person here in the room? <laughs> <laughs> Listening. Yeah. Right. Right. So, um, so from that point, I shifted my thinking and just and just said, Sojourner, you are a writer for this show. Mm. They don't want any stories about people of color. And you just really need to own that and figure out what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Are you going to stay? Are you going to move? Or what, you know, what's going to be your next step? But you need to be very, very clear. This is a reality. So don't sugarcoat this. So on a lighter note, Sakoy, <laughs> uh, Sojourner, on a lighter note, mm-hmm. uh, what was it like working with the late Tommy Ford? <laughs> it was a chuck wagon of comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it would have to be funny. Yeah. Uh, Tom was a, he was very professional around the art because you know, he got his um, degree from USC in mm. theater. Okay. Um, he, he was like two, two classes over um, John Singleton. Okay. And um, so, yeah, he was in the theater department, and theater was his life. I mean, people, a lot of people thought that Tommy started out as a comedian. Mm-hmm. He just a, a guy that was funny. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, he was a consummate actor. Wow. And he graduated with a theater degree from USC. So performance, theater, the word, um, and being clear about your intention going into your performance was always in the front of his mind. So, so I was the writer and he was the director, but 
and we wrote, we worked on several projects that never saw the light of day. Oh, really? Mm. But um, working with Tommy, I would do like five, six, seven, eight drafts of a script, which was fine because we had to do that in the soap. So I was I always own the rewrite, and that's mm-hmm. separate a mediocre writer from a professional writer being okay with your rewrite. That, that's what I that's what I heard you write. And you write and mm-hmm. you write again, you know, yeah. and you have to be comfortable with being a writer to do the rewrite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And cutting out the scenes that you think are the bomb scenes, you have to cut out those. Wow. So we would write and rewrite and rewrite. And um, and sometimes some of the suggestions Tom would give me, because we would have a reading mm-hmm. just to hear it. And then we go back, I'll go back into the text here and say, well, how do you cut, do this, 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 and other? And I'll say, Tommy you know it's going to be the same as rewrite number four. <laughs> we probably like a rewrite number nine. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and put these changes in so, because you're going to hate them because you hated it before. Now put it in. We have another reading and we're like, you know, I was just thinking. I said, mm-hmm. no. I know. And he would never read scripts. Wow. We would have to have a reading of it. Okay. okay. Because, you know, it's a dramatic work and the whole point of it is to be read aloud so you can hear the words so he would never sit down and just read like I would, like you and I would sit down and just mm-hmm, read the script yeah. mm-hmm. well, do you think any of those projects will be able to revive themselves Sojourner and um, come to light? Some were good some were not good we needed some more work on it uh, just wasn't a good idea we thought it was a good idea okay. but um some we're, we're finishing up the documentary that he and I started. Okay. And um. And can you tell us the name of that documentary? Is it okay to uh, yeah, through okay. my lens? Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's when we um had twenty young African American boys between the ages of thirteen and twenty from here in Atlanta. Half of them were bullies, and the other half were victims of bullies. Mm. Wow. And they didn't know who was who, and the. Theory was we wanted to see if they could create their own community through workshops, manhood workshops, history workshops. Mm-hmm. And they met twice a week at Clark Atlanta University. And we mm-hmm. filmed it and we had conversations. And um, it was a very, very powerful experience being yeah. with them. Because when I started working with them, I just gotten back from um, the UAE and I was working with nothing but women, Muslim women. Okay. So then now everything shifted to work with nothing but men, young boys, mm-hmm. young men. And um, some of them were like gangbangers. Some of them were straight A students, mm-hmm. you know, but they really pulled together by the end of the workshop. And and since we're in 2020 um, now, are you expecting the documentary to be released anytime this year, or we're in the hoping, future? We're hoping. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, we're gonna we're gonna definitely be on the lookout on that because we would love to have you come back to speak out once the documentary hits mm-hmm. and talk Ooh. a little bit talk a little bit more about that. But speaking with working with the young boys, you also um, work with young girls in New York. As well, yeah, with yeah. a mentoring. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how um, how you were able to uh, just be a mentor when it comes to the arts and writing for them? Um, it was a lot of fun. Um, I think that was the GRASP uh, program. And that was 
that was developed by the Brooklyn District Attorney's Office. Oh, okay. Yeah, Charles Hines. Um, he had been the district attorney for like 20 years. Mm-hmm. And I think I met them because I was doing some outreach at Rikers Island. Okay. I was doing poetry workshops there. Okay. And they have like some of the most amazing writers mm-hmm. there. And the, um, I met the librarian and that's how I got in at Rikers. And he said, well, what would it take to bring you out here? to uh, do a workshop, I said, flowers and a taxi ride. <laughs> and he had flowers and a taxi ride. All right now. And from there, that's when I met the DA from Brooklyn. And he liked the work that I did at Rikers. He said, well, would you mind doing some of the work here in Brooklyn? And I was like, okay, what do you guys got going on? So they had um, youth and congregations where mm-hmm. they had churches to adopt kids at risk. Mm. Okay. And, uh, and a lot of people had a lot of problems with Charles Hines. He's not in office anymore. But the one thing he did work on was working on the community to intervene with kids that Mm -hmm. were having issues. Yeah. And especially with women that were being um, victims of domestic violence Mm -hmm. because his mother was a victim of it. And he, that was like a big thing on his, on his plate. Mm -hmm. So I met these girls and I was training them to write but they wanted to take it a step further. So I brought in a filmmaker, um, a DP, and he was teaching them film stuff, you know, okay. how to hold the how to hold the uh, camera, how to work the mic. And they wanted to do short public service announcements about safe sex and bullying. And then we went, and then um, Charles Hines had us work with some boys around that were, you know, youth at risk. And they wanted to do a short documentary on gun violence. And it was like a little um, black and white piece. It was maybe like four minutes long. And the boys wrote it, you know, showed them how to do storyboards. And they came up with the idea and taught them the story beats. And they shot it with the help of some, you know, professionals. And from that point, when um, the DA's office saw that, then they um, commissioned me to do a documentary about gun violence in Brooklyn. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that went on for months. Now, wow. you, you've been um, awarded some accolades for short films at various film festivals. Would you like to talk a little about that? Um, if I could remember them. <laughs> <laughs> now, a lot of the festivals were films that Tommy Ford and I worked on together. Mm-hmm. And when the festival happened, I wasn't in America. Oh, wow. I was overseas. So it was like, what were the Bronze Lands? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And the other was with the Kingdom um, Festival also. And they were all here. And one was with the Las Vegas Black Film Festival. Right. But the the one that was here with Bronze Lands, oh, they just had a ball. It was my sister, friends from high school. Our friends from New York came down and they just had like this roving part. And I was like, and I'm in the Middle East. <laughs> with nothing wow. to do in the desert. Now you were teaching there. Yep, I was teaching creative <clears throat> writing. Okay. okay. Yep. Was that Teach for America or? Mm, the government hired me. Ah, yep, I taught the natives of the country. Got you. Okay. So they were like 18% of the country. They were the ones that had all the money. Okay. We got the yes. money from the yes. um, mm-hmm. Emiratis. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, but I taught the college, taught the uh, women college, and then I would go over to the men college and do some screenwriting work with them. Okay. And um, 
It was very interesting working with them. Yeah, the different cultures. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, one of those. I'm sorry, I was, I was looking at the Tribeca Screenwriting Festival. Yeah, yeah you were a yeah. finalist in that mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, for an adaptation of a love story, which I never would think that I would write a love story. Mm-hmm. But I was um, paid to write it. That's the only reason I did Well, that's a great inspiration to any yeah. writer. Okay. It was fun. It was fun doing, um, doing an adaptation from a novel. Okay. Now, tell us about the um, your latest musical, Allegory on 125th Street. So that was a musical that was birthed out of a friend of mine who's based in Atlanta, Freddie Hendrix. He started the Freddie Hendricks Youth Ensemble okay. um, back in the 90s. And those kids, a lot of those kids have moved on to Broadway. Wow. So that's the type of trainer he is. And um, a lot of his kids were on Broadway doing Fela. And they oh, and, yeah. he's, and they invited him to the Tony Award because mm-hmm. they were all nominated for Tony Awards. And he came up and we hanging out all night and... We kept saying, we have never worked together. We've been knowing each other for like 20 years. Wow. And I said, let's start now. So at the time, I was working with um, a Grammy Award winning producer, Terrence Dudley, mm-hmm. worked with um, 50 Cent and Mary J. Blige. And so the three of us sat down and we said, okay, the three of us can do something together. And I said, Fred, if what idea you want us to come up with and I can just write it and he was thinking something about the parables and so I'm doing research so I based the musical on the parable of the sower and the seed yeah (laughs) and but I wanted to be very diverse and have young kids but have people of different races and Mm. the issues Mm. that we have and how a lot of times we watch television we leave everything that we see in television so Mm. I wanted to address that and this was post 9-11, so okay. I wanted to address, you know, the whole Muslim thing that was going on. Yes. And um, Terrence did the music, and Freddie did the directing, and we did a couple of readings. Uh, we did a reading here, a workshop over here, because we were still trying to work out the songs. Okay. And the first time we did the, um, the workshop in New York, and we was getting ready, preparing for it, I said, Freddie... We just got one song, mm-hmm. and we we building this as a musical. I said, I think we need more songs. He said, No, no, no. We're gonna dip and dab with this one. I was like, I don't know how this is gonna happen, dude. But I was like, I'm gonna leave it up to you. Mm-hmm. And it worked out really well. But we went back into the text and did some fixing and some changing. So it was just a work that's evolving. But it's great to work finally work with some friends. Well, what is some of you know? It, there are so many aspiring play writers here mm-hmm. in Georgia and writers and they want to get their plays on. Sojourner, what advice would you give to them in terms of um, starting out in a career as a playwright mm-hmm. or as a television television writer? Um, I would say focus on being the strongest writer that you can be. And that was the only thing that got me hired on all my children, because we had like 12 in the fellowship and they told us it was enough jobs for everyone, Mm -hmm. but it really wasn't. But I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Thank God I didn't know that. But, and I was the only one in my group that got hired because I just focused on being the strongest writer I could be. Mm -hmm. So whenever I would get notes on my script, I would go back through my notes Mm -hmm. and I would categorize them. And then I would ask specific questions like, okay, you say I did not write Mateo's struggle. So if I did this, how would that work? 
So I would give them options and they say, well, how can I fix it? Mm -hmm. And I will always rewrite my scripts when I wasn't asked because I was just trying to make it stronger. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I would just say um, focus on learning as much as you can about the art form because I know a lot of some writers feel that they don't need to study. Mm. But yeah, you need to study. You need to learn as much as you can. Yeah, the Bible says study to show yourself approved. Mm -hmm. So exactly. in, in closing, Sojourner, mm -hmm. I just wanted to ask, what what's next for you? Uh, what about movies? Well, I have two movies that's out, and one has been airing on Aspire every month for like two years well, now. Let's give a plug. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, it's called Conflict of Interest. It's the okay. uh, first film Tommy Ford and I did. Okay. okay. Yep. And the second one is um, Switching Lanes. Okay. And um, so the next thing I'm working on um, is a part, well, it's a project that I'm working with my students at Georgia State. And we're doing a thriller. And one of the executive producers from Walking Dead, he's the one that came to us. And said, okay, since you guys have a screenwriting team, he said, this, I want to join forces with you guys and have you guys to work on a thriller. We'll create a thriller. Okay. So it's just like three students. And we're going to put together a thriller movie and they're going to shoot it on the campus. Oh, wow. Now, I'm just going to throw this little plug out to you. You know, um, Dino and I, we got some extra experience now in film. <laughs> so, you know, we can be we can be some great background people. You want to be like a zombie in Yeah, it's yeah, yes. Yeah. So just give us, <laughs> or give us the five miles. We'll work that one with Dino. We'll work that. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, we'll make but, it but, but no, but that's that's really exciting. Mm -hmm. though. It that's, is. that's really exciting. And, and I'm working on a play, um, a screenplay about, and this is a true story about the women in Atlanta in 1881. They started mm -hmm. the first strike of African Americans. Wow. The laundry women, the washing women. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 It went on for like over a month. And they stuck to their guns, and the city tried to force them to go back to work. But they stuck it out. So that's our heritage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And what's so beautiful about those women, the, finally when the city tried to do everything to crush them and put them under, and they, they stuck together. And finally the city said, okay, we're going to let you guys watch. But everyone have to have a license to wash clothes. Mm -hmm. What? And the women's like, fine. They all pulled in mind to make sure that every woman could buy their license. Wow. And see, Sojourner, a lot of stories are not told, so exactly. we're unaware. I never understood why I was so un unfamiliar with the movie Hidden Figures. I know. I just never understood mm -hmm. that. Exactly. So exactly. you have, someone has to tell those stories. Because yeah. she, she, you are Sojourner. That's you right. You are the Sojourner. <laughs> so tell this, the truth. At this, so that's right. <laughs> in this day and time, in TV and film, yeah. and using the power of the pen. Absolutely. You know, um, I have so enjoyed you. I mean, I feel I like I have too. a kindred spirit this as a poet, as writer, and I, we really want to have you come back and yes. speak out. Please Especially that. on your movies that are, yes. are coming yeah, yeah. out. Yes, mm -hmm. please know that you are more than welcome to come well, back. Thank you both. Yes. This has been a joy. You guys made it so easy. Well, that's what we do. That's what we do. We love speaking out. Yes. And we thank you. We yes. thank you for, um, for paving the way for so many African-American women, women of color to be behind mm -hmm. the scenes. It's, mm -hmm. You... 
you just don't know how important your presence made a difference during that time, even when you worked on All My Children, Thank that you were you. speaking out even at that time where mm-hmm. it seemed like you were the one voice, but it mattered. And now mm-hmm. with the students at Georgia State, I mean, mm-hmm. now this is their opportunity to take that mantle and run with it. And that's I always say I'm mm-hmm. here to train the next team Absolutely. of screenwriters. Absolutely. And Sojourner, we thank you. We do thank, thank you. you yes. This has been a joy. Thank oh, you so thank much. thank you so much. Well, you've been tuning in to Speak Out. Remember that you have a voice and don't forget to Speak, speak Out. out.